Welcome to the King's Word Bible Study. I'm your host, Brother Vinny Fitzgerald, and today we're going to delve into the Bible to bring you insight from God's Word that will help you to grow and to develop into spiritual maturity. These lessons are designed to help guide you and strengthen you in your relationship with the Lord. Whether you've never opened a Bible or have read it cover to cover, this podcast will inform and uplift you. Our purpose is not only for you to know and to understand the King's Word, but for you to live it out in your day-to-day life. Philippians 4 and 9 tells us, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Our topic today is the fatherhood of God. Let's begin in Matthew chapter 7. In Matthew chapter 7, beginning in the 7th verse, it says, Ask and it shall be given you, seek and ye shall find, knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you, whom if his son ask bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? Therefore all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. In this passage, we see the importance of understanding God, not just as the Lord of our lives, but also as Father. It's easy to call Him our Father, but we need to understand what it really means to have Him as our own personal Father. In Matthew 7 and 11, the word Father is the Greek word potter. It means Father one who imparts life and is committed to it, a progenitor, bringing into being, to pass on the potential for likeness. Strong's Concordance goes on further to say, Potter is used of our Heavenly Father. He imparts life from physical birth to the gift of eternal life through the second birth, regeneration, being born again. Through ongoing sanctification, the believer more and more resembles the Heavenly Father. Each time they receive faith, from him and obey it, it results in their unique glorification. It also means one in intimate connection and relationship. We see the comparison made in Matthew between an earthly father and God as father. We see the example of gifts, and it shows that God, as our father, will do abundantly above and beyond what an earthly father could do. It says in verse 11, that he will give good things to them that ask him. The use of the word good is important to note. The word good used here is the Greek word agathos, which means intrinsically good, good in nature, good whether it be seen to be or not, the widest and most colorless of all words with this meaning. It also means good to the believer. It describes what originates from God and is empowered by him in their life through faith. This is our God, 
He is a good God. He gives us good gifts. And he is a good father. Understanding God as a good father is crucial in our relationship with God. But we must ask ourselves the question, what makes a good father good? What makes a father good is his character, who he is as a person. This is not just the case for fathers, but for anyone, no matter who they are. A good father always has a good character. It's absolutely necessary for a father to have. God is good in the truest sense of the word. He is a good father because his character is good. He is goodness in its purest form. Character is made up of countless different values and attributes and qualities. God has an infinite amount of these attributes as a constituent part of his character. When it comes to understanding him as father, there are some attributes that stand out from amongst the rest that we can learn from. If we take of these attributes and apply them to our lives, they will help us to be good fathers and to be good leaders in both the earthly and the spiritual senses. No matter who we are, whether you're a true father or not, or whether you're a mother or a leader, or no matter who you are, learning these attributes helps us to prosper in whatever situation that we find ourselves in, and it helps us to make the greatest impact on those who are around us. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in the sixth verse, says, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily, for a few days, chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. The first important quality of a good father is discipline. He disciplined himself and disciplines his children. Discipline has a bad connotation in these days that we live in, but it's absolutely necessary if we are to have a good character. People tend to think today that discipline is derived from anger, but it's really derived from love if it's properly exercised. Real love disciplines. When people don't love and the time arises when discipline is necessary, they just give up on the person and stop caring. It may be unpleasant in the moment, but it's necessary. When you find discipline, it's a sign that love is still alive. God chastises us, not because he's angry with us, but because he loves us. When God no longer loves someone, he gives them up and turns them over to a reprobate mind. That's not our inheritance. Our inheritance is the love of God, not the wrath of God. If we are to apply this in our lives, it means being disciplined ourselves. We can't instill in others what we don't have ourselves. This means having self-control and staying dedicated to maintaining good character in our lives and teaching others to do the same. It means using the free will that God has given us to make choices that are best and right instead of those that are easy and wrong. When we operate in this, it gives us the initiative and the strength to make it through the hard times of life 
with our character intact. We should never withhold discipline when it's needed. Many times it's the best thing that we could ever do for someone. This is love in action, even if it doesn't seem to be. When we do these things and discipline in love, like God does, we will see the fruit manifest in our character and in our life. God has commanded us to do so. Ephesians 6 and 4 in the ESV says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. The second important quality of a good father is forgiveness. Luke 15 and 20, speaking of the prodigal son, says, And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. His father forgave him. He showed him grace. Forgiveness is always a distinctive mark of a good father and of a good character. Human nature in its sinful and fallen state makes us prone to make mistakes. God understands this. That's why he offers forgiveness and gives second chances. If he didn't, no one would ever be saved. Heaven would be empty. Psalms 103 and 13 says in the ESV, As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those that fear him. As earthly and spiritual fathers and leaders, we need to recognize that people are bound to make mistakes, and we need to be ready to give forgiveness and to give grace when the time arises. Matthew chapter 6 verses 14 and 15 tells us, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. We are called to follow this warning and this command of God. We need to apply this to our lives. We need to forgive and teach others to do the same. The third attribute is investing in the lives of others. Proverbs 27 and 17 says, Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. The strength of any relationship in life is based on what is invested into it. When we are trying to impact others, it requires investment. We need to invest time and energy and effort in the lives of others. When we do this, it shows that we care. Similar to discipline, if we didn't care about others, we wouldn't invest in them. God invests in our lives, whether we realize it or not. He cares more deeply about us than we could ever imagine. Matthew 6 and 26 says, Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? The same way that God cares about and invests in our lives is the same way that we need to go about investing in the lives of others. When we do this and follow God's example, we will see the impact that it makes in the lives of others, and we will receive joy from forging new and deeper relationships. The fourth attribute is that a good father is a leader. He leads by example. Psalm 23 verses 2 to 3 says, He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. When God leads us, he doesn't leave us alone to fend for ourselves. He takes us by the hand and he guides us. The spirit within us guides us into all truth. Leading and guiding imply that he goes with us all the way. We are to do the same when we lead others. Leading by example is key. 
not leading by example, is not real leadership at all. This is the same as the adage, do as I say, not as I do, which, if we adhere to that, will get us nowhere. Our role is to set the example. We need to live out and exemplify what we desire to see in the lives of others. Nothing can ever be replicated unless it is first demonstrated. God has set for us an example. When he taught the disciples to pray, he prayed with them, and he gave them a template for prayer so that they would know what to do. He didn't just tell them to pray and then not give them any example of what prayer was like. This is why in 1 John 4 19, it says, We love him because he first loved us. He first exemplified love in his son. And now that we've been shown, we can follow suit and do the same. We need to apply this attribute in our lives. Fathers are called to be leaders. 1 Corinthians 11 and 3 says in the ESV, But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ, the head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. If we stay faithful in leading by example, we'll see the fruit of the labor in our lives and in the lives of those that we lead. The fifth attribute is loyalty. A good father is always loyal to his children. Since we're leaders, we need to stay loyal to those whom we're leading. Deuteronomy 31 and 6 says, Be strong and of a good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Hebrews 13 and 5 also tells us, I will never leave thee or forsake thee. God stays loyal to us. When he leads, he stays with us all the way through. And we need to do the same when leading others. Loyalty is rooted in love. Ruth was loyal to her mother-in-law, Naomi. That's why when her husband died, she wouldn't leave her and continue to live with her. We need this attribute operating in our lives today. The sixth attribute of a good father is that he teaches and molds his children. He doesn't just throw them to the wolves and make them fend for themselves. He sacrifices on their behalf to teach them the lessons that they'll need in life. And he puts forth time and energy and effort to help mold their character into what it should be. Proverbs 22 and 6 says, Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. We have to take an active role. We can't take a passive role and expect to see the results that we desire. God does the same with us. He speaks to us. He's given us his word, and he puts his spirit within us. He makes all things work together for our good, and he takes all the trials and all the hardships that we go through in life and uses them to continually mold us into a closer image of himself. We need to always take the opportunity to teach and to mold others when it is presented to us. This is one of the most important roles as earthly and spiritual fathers. When we actively apply this in our lives, we will see the fruit manifested among those whom we teach and mold. Proverbs 23 and 24 tells us, The father of the righteous shall greatly rejoice, and he that begetteth a wise child shall have joy of him. The seventh attribute is that he protects his family. Philippians 2 and 4 says, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. We need to protect the people who God has put into our lives. God does this for us. He is our protector. In Psalms 82 and 4, Asaph prayed, Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. Psalm 121 and 7 says, The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. 
The same way God protects us, we need to protect those whom God has placed into our lives. Proverbs 24, 10-12 says, If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. If thou forbear to deliver them that are drawn unto death, and those that are ready to be slain, if thou sayest, Behold, we knew it not, doth not he that pondereth the heart consider it? And he that keepeth thy soul, doth not he know it? And shall not he render to every man according to his works? We need to be ready to protect at all times, even if it's uncomfortable and inconvenient. That is part of stewardship. We need to take care of what God has given us, and that means protecting it. Protection can make all the difference. Let's go to the book of 1 John, chapter 4. 1 John, chapter 4, beginning in the 7th verse. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God towards us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us, and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him, and he in us, because he hath given us of his Spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. Because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother, whom he hath seen, how can he love God, whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God, love his brother also. The last and most important attribute of a good father is unconditional love. The word used for love in this chapter is agape, which means the sacrificial, unconditional love of God. God has shown us this type of love firsthand through Jesus. Now that we know what this love is, God expects us and commands us to do the same. When we love others in this way, it means that we love them no matter what they say or what they do to us. This type of love is not conditioned on anything. It's freely given at all times. This is love in its purest form. God is love. And as earthly and spiritual fathers and leaders, we are called to be microcosms of God. We are to be gods with a small g. When people see our unconditional love, they will begin to understand the love of God, and it serves as a testimony to the truthfulness and the greatness of our God. This is why they will know us by our love. Even though people we love make mistakes, or they mess up sometimes, and may even hurt us, we still need to love them unconditionally. This is the greatest hallmark of a good father, and of a good character, and it's impossible to be a good father without it. 
We need to have all these different things operating in our lives so that we can have a good character. These are all fundamental to understanding God as Father. Matthew 23 and 9 says, And call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father, which is in heaven. Even if we never had a father, or if we didn't have a godly father, that's okay. God is there to fill that void in our lives. Psalm 68 verses 5 through 6 says, A father of the fatherless and a judge of the widows is God in his holy habitation. God setteth the solitary in families. He bringeth out those which are bound with chains, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. It's crucial for us in our walk of faith to understand God as our personal father. Malachi 2 and 10 says, Have we not all one father? Have not one God created us? Isaiah 64 and 8 says, But now, O Lord, thou art our father. We are the clay, and thou our potter, and we all are the work of thy hand. We need to trust in him and rest in his character as a good father. 2 Corinthians 6.18 says, And will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. God has adopted us to be his sons and his daughters through the sacrifice of his son Jesus Christ. Romans 8.14-16 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. We need to claim and to enjoy our inheritance and our heritage as the sons and the daughters of God. We have the greatest Father in the world. And the way that we can show that we appreciate His fatherhood and show that we want to be like Him is by taking these attributes that we have found to be present in His character and living them out in our own lives. When we saw the word potter before, in the Greek, it said that it gave the potential for likeness. And this is what is so crucial about God being our father. We have the potential for likeness, but just because the potential is there doesn't mean that it happens automatically. We have to put in the effort, and we have to allow the spirit to work in our lives to conform our character and our likeness to his. And when we faithfully do this, God will be able to rejoice even more in his children. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you that you are our Father, and that you are not just our Father, but a good Father, and that your character is not just any character, but a good character. And Lord, we thank you that you have all these different attributes and that you show forth your unconditional love towards us, Lord God. And we ask that you make us to be good fathers and good mothers and good children and good leaders, Lord God, whatever position we're in in life that you put that good character within us, that the attributes and the qualities and all these different things that we show forth in our life can be conformed to those same things that are found within you, Lord God. Help us to love and to forgive and to lead and to teach and all these different things that you want for our lives and that you died to make available to us. Lord, we thank you that you are not just the average father, but that you died on our behalf, that we could be adopted into your family, Lord God. We thank you that you chose us from before the foundation of the world and that you didn't leave us stranded in this world full of hate and chaos, that you adopted us and called us out of it. Lord, we give you all the praise and all the honor and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you want to have a good character and have Jesus as a part of your life today, 
All you need to do is to invite Jesus into your heart to be your personal Lord and Savior. You then need to repent of your sins and ask him for his forgiveness. Then you trust that you've been forgiven and you ask for his free gift of eternal life. Now, if you've prayed this from a sincere heart and you truly meant it, then you are now a part of the family of God. Welcome to God's family. We want to thank everybody for listening today. We appreciate you taking out your time to spend with us. If you would like to give us feedback and tell us how much you appreciate this show, you can contact us at kingswordbiblestudy at gmail.com. If you'd like to learn more about this program and this ministry, you can visit kingswordbible.com. We appreciate also if you write a review from wherever you're listening to this podcast from, and if you follow and subscribe so that more people can hear the King's Word for themselves. God bless you. We want you to know that we love you all. And we will see you next week as we continue to study the King's Word together.